Hi, you're listening to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively brings insights from the Indian space activities ecosystem. I'm your host Narayan, the co-founder of India's first space-focused think tank, Spaceport Sarabhai. Guests on the New Space India podcast help you understand space activities related macro and micro trends within India in all aspects including space history, local industry, space science, technology evolution, law and policy, art and more. The New Space India podcast is supported by Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to enable sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium scale enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellites. Hi and welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. I'm here in Berlin with uh, Sanjay who is uh, visiting Berlin uh, and from India. Uh, so Sanjay is the CEO of Geospatial World which has been running for almost 25 years now and uh, we're going to chat about his career as well as what are his thoughts about the geospatial industry across the world as well as in India. Sanjay, thank you so much for taking the time in stopping by and of course, you know, uh, taking the time for spending an hour recording this episode with me. Thank you very much, Narayan. It's great to be with you this afternoon and I'll be happy to, uh, you know, interact with you and for your audience. Hello to everyone who is going to listen to this podcast. So let's begin with uh, your early days. And I'm sure that when you were starting out thinking about geospatial, there was nothing called geospatial as a domain that was very aware around in, Ind- in India, for example. I know that maybe, you know, in the early parts of ISRO experiments, there was the coconut wilt disease uh, experiment with the aircrafts and so on. I'm not really sure how much of that sunk into the common public or even industry. I am sure that a lot of research was being done at ISRO level, looking at problems or so on. So how does one think of creating a a geospatial-based brand uh, or a media communication business starting out 25 years before? And, you know, what are the roots of your, uh, you know, inspiration? Well, Narayan, first of all, let me tell you that I am in this business by accident and it has been an adventurous journey, a very satisfying and fulfilling journey. And it all started uh, early 1990s. Well, I'm not a geospatial professional. I'm not educated uh, in the field of space or technology. I'm a master's in political science and uh, MPhil in uh, international relations and a PhD dropout again in political science and international relations. But my interaction with the world of space or geospatial for that matter began while I was doing my PhD. I took up a very challenging topic which was geopolitics of technology transfer. Well, you know, we talk about reforms but if you really want to see the reforms and constrained world which we lived in, do visit before 1990s. It was the end of the Cold War and the new world order which took place in 1990s, which 
caught my attention as a student of political science and international relations to understand a bit about technology and its role in appropriate development what we know today as sustainable development was earlier as well in practice in the name of appropriate development and appropriate technology and those were the two terms which actually touched me very significantly and that is what made me think about the technology and development and then bringing in the geopolitics of technology transfer india as a country which was kind of non aligned and around world uh, war cold war uh, period when it ended india became more open and that time the technology which we were used to receive from russian kind of block uh, russia was not able to give us technology and americans were not providing us technology and that is when you saw the space department was left stranded because you don't have any technology import but our scientists and i must congratulate and compliment and i would say pay my gratitude to that generation of leadership in science led by dr kasturi rangan dr george joseph these scientists took on that opportunity to actually build indigenous capability and within 5 years they launched iris 1c iris 1c was at its time in 1997 were having the best available commercial satellite resolution just look at the journey in 5 years this is so fascinating but yes my interest has been more about geopolitics of technology which brought me to this uh, interaction with the world of space and mapping but moving beyond when i dropped out from my phd so i had to find some living since i was a social science researcher so i took up a job with indo gulf fertilizers to build a rural development model for setting up their industry in a place which was covering 5000 bighas of land and there was a lot of displacement likely to happen and the company hired a consulting firm which hired me to work on the ground to understand the prevailing socio-economic conditions and how this industry may help them and what kind of development ecosystem you want to create and i want to again give a lot of uh, you know appreciation to the leadership of uh, mr birla aditya birla at that time who was the chairman of integral fertilizers who actually invested into understanding the rural landscape and then uh, that was a second exposure for me to look at industry and society and that is what actually gave me lot of on the ground exposure uh, and understanding about technology industry and the economy so after few years of my uh, you know social uh, research i 
met some of my friends who were in college with me and they went to do uh, their post graduation in iits and they came back so one of them is uh, ravi gupta he's uh, msc mtech from roorkee and then mtech from iit kanpur and very man who wanted to do something for the disaster management and he came educated as a gis educated person and we again met and then we started talking about uh, what we can do for the society and fortunately we got into connect with someone known as dr mp narayanan who was the chairman of environmental appraisal committee for industries and he had lot of reports which every company would submit to him uh, before setting up an industry and we thought of making use of gis technology to develop a environmental atlas of the country an atlas which can provide kind of do donation of carrying capacity of various uh, zones and any company before going to set up a factory in some place may know that what is the carrying capacity of that particular place so that you can bring kind of connect between what kind of uh, industry i'm setting up and what is the likely uh, emission going to be and which are the places where i can go and set it up so we started to do uh, develop a industry uh, environmental atlas of course the project did not take off much because of the prevailing restrictions on use of maps and it was kind of surprising to see that how much of restrictions were around uh, topographical maps or satellite imageries and that is what actually gave us a idea that we should start uh, developing this community and uh, convey about the value of gis and remote sensing uh, to the larger administrative and political leadership and that's what actually kind of generated an opportunity for us to organize this uh, gis ad development as a company very very interesting and um, i think again it's it's one of these stories that i always try to get out of people because you know it's very hard to no people who are from that generation or your generation of people who are not from isro or other places because obviously you know the glorification of people happens when you are coming from the system and you belong to the system in one way or the other but unfortunately we don't hear a lot of stories of people who are doing like grassroots level work and have built a brand over time and have spent a significant amount of time and effort building out something in the entrepreneurial domain in india i mean today there's a lot of startups that people talk about and the media glorifies a lot of that effort that the startups do but you know uh, the most of the work and the bedrock and and the employment the investment and everything comes from you know companies like yours which have a long standing and have really good uh, traction and a brand built over time as such so when you started this particular you know media business as such what was your let's say immediate thoughts because i guess you know maybe companies like uh, you know what is today scient infotech enterprises or uh, companies like that may have been in business in the 90s uh, with the outsourcing world in in terms of uh, gis uh, related businesses i'm not really sure as well but you know building a company out of india and expecting to occupy a niche like geospatial at the time you are even if you want to do it today is very difficult 
uh, at the end so who did you think you would go and say that you would approach of course you know i'm also guessing that you did not have uh, the internet and uh, the leverage of internet to having to communicate or linkedin or you know any kind of other tools that uh, you would today simply open up fire up an invitation to somebody invite them for a zoom call and make a sale tomorrow uh, i'm sure that all of that was not present at the time right oh that was a different world narayan that was absolutely a different world and you go by triggers in your life i have always lived the life as it came to me and i read a book known as social gis and i was very convinced that this is something which probably can give me an opportunity to pursue my own ambitions you know people can talk about vision mission i think there is something known as characteristics and ambition i have always felt uh, very strongly about uh, being connected with society and being connected with public policies and that came to me naturally because of uh, my education but more than my formal education my own uh, interest in interdisciplinary uh, subjects i don't want to give credit to my friend uh, virendra at that time when i was in college and uh, he and me would go to various different uh, you know i would have sections in the library in economics psychology you know philosophy then we saw that the same topic of say motivation you read separately or differently in psychology and then you read differently in economics and you read differently in political science but at the end of it was holistic and that holisticity was nothing but driven by the society and economy and that was something which was at the core of uh, my uh, thought and i always wanted to uh, pursue my career in that direction and this gave me an opportunity to be a public policy evangelist and i must say that when we started gis at development our intention was to promote gis and its value for development and which is still at the core of our business but very soon we realized that before we actually talk about the value proposition of gis for development we have to fight this battle uh with the administration with regards to opening the maps or i would say unshackling the maps and taking the power of remote sensing and gis out of labs and i think media was one of the most feasible and workable tool which i i i trusted in and the power of freedom of expression actually helped us to do this i remember that in initial stages of our evangelism and advocacy we were put to all kinds of you know investigations by cbi or ib that who are these people youngsters in early 20s uh talking about opening up maps who are the 
you know, governments who are funding them. There was a whole distrust around what we were doing. But since we knew what we were doing and we were powered by the freedom of expression, I think that helped us to fight that out. And very soon, we were, after proving our trust and credibilities, we were seen as a medium for and by the scientists to convey their demands to the government. I have, I feel nostalgic, but if I go back to the 26th of August to 1999, it was a Raksha Bandhan day. Still, we were running a panel discussion in Delhi, which started at 9.30 and went up to 2 p.m. No breaks, everything was taken away and the ISRO scientists and other scientists from all around the country, including Dr. Kasturi Rangan, Arup Das Gupta, George Joseph, they were so passionate, Shishagri from NIC, they were so passionate about discussing about policy reforms. And we became a medium for all of them to come and talk. And you see that 20 years down the lane, now we have the policy reforms. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess... Um from when you started, I guess, you know, to now is, is quite a long time. It's 25 years and things have changed in media as well. The business has changed rapidly with, uh, you know, opening up of the internet, so, you know, social media and, you know, all of these internet-related resources or so on. But when you started, what was the the medium? I would say, was it like you had your own magazine that you would run as something that you would then put out in distribution or... How was it that you were able to reach people with the ideas of Geospatial? Because obviously as a media company, the one thing that you want to do is reach out to people and you want to reach out to as many people as possible. So how has that journey you know, taken you? I would say that we, we were very blessed. I would always give credit to uh, you know, blessings of our friends and our colleagues and I must tell you that you know if you are genuine people will help you so when we started this media uh, with about 8 pages to 12 pages to 16 pages to 24 pages what we would do is actually we would go to in front of the doors of various companies talk to them distribute magazines like flyers go to the government departments and we did not know everyone Slowly and slowly, we kept on knowing more and more people. And people welcomed us. I must say that there was a great welcome spirit uh, from almost every corner. Because those people knew that they are investing in a platform which will actually be the voice of their community. So I would say that uh, we went to distribute magazines, uh, to various uh, you know companies, to various organizations, and we also started organizing conferences. And I say that the first conference which we did organize again talks about our uh, you know commitment uh, or our values. It was named as GIS for Business and Environmental Planning. So we brought environmental experts and business experts. In fact, in my first conference itself, companies like Coca-Cola and Hindustan Lever Limited 
were speakers on using GIS for uh, their business. On the other side, Central Pollution Control Board and Ministry of Environment officials were there to discuss about uh, environmental challenges. So we took that two communities together to start talking about GIS as an interface. So A, the media uh, flourished, uh, you know, we built our outreach by connecting with more and more people. B, that we started organizing conferences and those conferences provided a platform for extending your outreach. Right, and I guess uh, from the standpoint of backers, uh, you know, basically people who were, let's say, customers, that's the most critical part of any uh, any business, be it uh, social entrepreneurship or even, uh, you know, product-based entrepreneurship that is completely capitalistic at the end, right? So coming from, uh, let's say, a non-business background, uh, as you said, with uh, international relations and so on, and... You know, what was it like to say that you are trying to build something sustainable here? And, uh, you know, how do you make believe these companies uh, that something like this is worthwhile, you know, spending on and to keep supporting at the end? Because obviously, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of, I would say, outreach that is long term for a lot of these companies. I guess they're educating possibly through your medium uh, the the public policymakers or even you know potential customers or you know whatever it is it's 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 a very long term thing and I'm I'm guessing that would also channel into this distribution as well because today you can target a lot of the people very easily because of technology like you can target a certain group of customers or so on so what was it like and how did you acquire your first set of customers and you know uh, how how did it go there? so Narayan I must say that you know whatever the age is. The value and purpose of what you do is the most important and fundamental concern. And I think that we, like many more, kept on our value and impact. And people invested in us, not just because that they found youngsters doing something, but they actually found a value in what we are doing. And the purpose were very, was evolving all the time. As we kept on talking to more people, we kept on evolving our values and purpose. But foundation was that, that you are playing a role of evangelism and advocacy. Evangelism and advocacy are two words, but they are probably the whole mission of organization like ours. So we believed in that you have to be sustainable. You cannot run yourself on uh, charity. So when we started our vision, we had a vision to, uh, we actually began to establish a non-profit center. But very soon, I realized that, no. If you want to be in a business, develop a private company, private limited company instead of non-profit. And that was a big decision. And I said, if we what we are doing is valuable, people will come and pay for that. And they kept on increasing their you know engagement with us as we kept on delivering better and better outreach and communication. So the companies and the government both 
I must say that even the government came up to supporting us in a very big way. Or uh, so we always had sustainability, which is market driven, but which is not like driven by exclusively commercial intent. So that is where we have to bring some kind of you know judicious balance between. Uh, market as a tool of your sustainability and market as a tool of your commercial endeavors so we were many times uh, being attracted by the opportunities to be the system solution sellers or hardware sellers because of our network with all the people but we always believe that if we have to do solutions and services then we should just exit from media business and if you are doing a media business then we should stick to the media business and that clarity helped us uh, gain confidence and trust of the people so that's how we kept on uh, building sustainability of course like many companies uh, we started from a small not garage but an unused kitchen so my house had a sub extra kitchen on terrace and we used the slab of the kitchen to be the two working stations so that's where you start you have to start delivering on the value and reducing your expenses and then slowly slowly build it up but i would say that finances had never been a constraint of the kind of nature which stop which could have stopped us and that's primarily because uh, we always found someone to actually buy what we are going to do yeah that's always uh, interesting because uh, you know what you have built is like really a brick by brick sustainable business that's grown over time and that's you know one of the most difficult things to do uh, at the end so from you know what you've said there's one part of it which is when you look at the larger media sphere no matter what industry it is even could be you know mainstream media comparing political debates or so on one of the things that i was really fascinated about obviously knowing about your special world and so on is that i still don't know any other company in the media business that originates from india who are a market leader in their space you know you would not consider um i don't know any company like ndtv or times now whoever as a giant next to like bbc or somebody else like you know deutsche welle or somebody like that so when you look at the whole geospatial stream or even like the brand that you built in in your case right you're leading that pack to for the entire world and and that's a fascinating achievement because uh, coming out of india and to be building a, a global brand is one of the most difficult things that is to do and even today you don't have many brands in india who have gone really global when it comes to space for example but you've done that in the geospatial uh, you know uh, arena at the end so what is it that made you believe that you can go on from local delhi delhi to you know being national with a lot of these things and then saying okay we're going to open up to to the international borders first of all i would say that uh, it's not about being market leader 
it's more about expanding uh, your outreach network and impact so in first 3 4 years of our operations from 97 to 2001 we very soon realized that like geography doesn't have any boundaries so as uh, you know the business of evangelism and advocacy should not have any boundaries and we also realized that we will while we will continue to fight for better policies in india we need to connect india with the rest of the world and that was a very natural expansion for us to enter into asia uh, so we expanded ourselves to asia in 2002 and then to middle east in 2004 to africa in 2006 to latin america in 2009 to europe in 2011 and to united states in 2014 so that has been kind of geographical uh, you know outline of our organization and we believed also that being local is very important so we started setting up our subsidiary units in all these continents and recruited uh, local people in every place Uh, at a time in 2012 we had about 25 international staff and we kept on uh, leveraging our experience to expand our outreach and our uh, you know connectivity with the global world we learned a lot i must say that in fact the learnings which we had in africa was phenomenal probably because that africa gave us a kind of barren land of opportunities there was no legacy so most of the forward looking approach which i saw was primarily in south africa or kenya or ethiopia at that time at every other places we found lot of resistance from the institutions but africa was very open so as latin america brazil chile mexico we found our best experiences in those countries in terms of acceptability of what we are doing then we realized that you know it's time for us to move from developing nations to the developed world and our intention was that most of the time these developed world professionals or companies are anyway participating in our conferences in developing countries so probably some of them are coming to this part of the world why can't i just just change this we do a conference like geo special world forum in holland and then take people from asia africa middle east and latin america to holland so you are be there you're going to be there and learn on the ground that what's happening in the west and what's happening uh, which is 10 years ahead of you i think that was the objective which we successfully convinced our stakeholders in developing countries to come and attend our events and be part of our deliberations in europe or us and that has been probably even more useful in terms of transferring that knowledge 
to these uh, economists. That's uh, fascinating because um, you can really like see the brick by brick again, you know, go, going ahead and, and doing all of these things. So from, you know, where you are now and looking back to 25 years and so on, are there any like special anecdotes that you can really remember that that was some of the moments that you really believed that, you know, you had a, a transforming realization or something like that, that something really clicked uh, apart from, you know, some of the things that you already mentioned? Quite a few of them, actually. Uh, I would say the triggers. When you talk to your stakeholders, your partners, and if you listen to them, you'll be actually very silently listening their expectations. So one of the triggering thought which I, which actually made an impact to me when I was in South Africa and we were having a debate on monetization of geospatial value and return on investments. So those days, you know, if you use this term ROI or monetization in 2008-9 in developed countries, even in Holland or uh, US, the geospatial and space scientist community were like, oh, no, no, we are they were not commercial. But in South Africa in 2008 or 9 exactly, someone stood from the government sector known as Derek Clark and said, Sanjay, as the industry believes in ROI, we in the government also believe in ROI. Your ROI is the profit to your stakeholders and our ROI is good services to citizens. So return on investment is not something which is an inappropriate word. And after that, we started consulting and then the whole change of our business model in three years' time from 2012 onwards, I say that we had a theme of Geospatial World Forum known as Monetizing Geospatial Value and Practices in Rotterdam. So it took three years from that time to come to this World Forum to talk about monetization. And you are from the space industry and you know how it goes. The word commercial was seen as abuse and it is still seen as abuse by many people in uh, those scientific institutions. So that was one which I would say that a trigger moment for us. Second was a trigger moment for us when I was trying to convince Dr. Kasturi Rangan when he was member planning commission to work towards pro policy reforms and opening of the sector for the commercial world. He said, you're talking of $3 billion global industry. I said, but where does, does this number come from? So he had a report from IDC, which talked about GIS market to be $3 billion. I said, but that's not true. He said, then what is truth? I said, truth is it is much bigger than that. He said, show me the report. Show me some document. And that's when I said, where do I go? These guys are talking the size of 10 software companies. 
but three four billion dollars is the size of ten software companies. Where is the whole world? Then we started uh, a division to understand uh, undertake research. And it started in twenty fourteen fifteen. It took us five years to actually come to a level of saying that yes. global geospatial industry size is 400 billion dollars and i think that we are doing more service to the industry by defining its constituents as well as demonstrating its larger values and its impact in our living so these are the two very you know triggers which i would like to say that and as i said you actually listen and you act upon and that's that's what you can consider as a vision but actually it is good listening and then acting upon it's pretty fascinating especially the market sizing thing debate is i think a very very interesting one all the time from your experience you know having done this what do you believe is india's geospatial industry sizing alongside the world market and do you believe that the compounded annual growth rate that the world has achieved is at the same level that india has achieved or is it two times bigger or or india has grown two times faster or so on what is your sense of this well let me address this issue uh, one by one first of all uh, indian geospatial market which includes gnss and earth observation market is about 1.56 billion dollars at the moment but that's tradable market but if i want to talk about india geospatial economy size then it is about uh, almost 4 billion to 5 billion dollars you can ask me what is the difference between economy and market the market is where you are looking at the market where the industry is playing where that's the kind of size of the revenue generated by the indian companies or indian market plus on top of that you have to understand that india is into export of geospatial services business so almost 1.5 billion dollars worth of geospatial services we are exporting but that's part of our economy and almost similar size of investment around 1.2 billion dollars so 3 billion dollars 1.3 billion dollars is being made by the government of india in various government programs which are directly connected with geospatial which includes earth observation and gnss satellites as well and you will be surprised that there are various kinds of you know government funding survey of india geological survey of india forestry survey of india archaeological survey of india all india soil and land use survey national bureau of soil survey research central pollution control board state remote sensing centers regional remote sensing centers national geophysical research laboratory indian national center for ocean services you name it 
all of these institutions get funding from the government of india to the tune of about one i think 12000 crores which is about 1.56 billion but that's not a market because 80 to 85% of this investment is actually going into uh, salaries or administration only 10 to 15% of that goes to the market so where you are buying technology you are buying services so indian geospatial uh, economy right now is 30000 crores which is 5 billion dollars looking at the world uh, we are probably nowhere in terms of the size uh, global geospatial market is about 450 billion dollars we are going to release a report into one month time right now 450 billion dollars growing at the rate which is almost 13 to 15% and will be about 675 billion dollars by 2025 and you will be surprised that the biggest chunk of this market is actually into services and surveying and consumer services like gnss applications of gnss asia is the largest upcoming market in terms of percentage of growth obviously established market won't grow that fast but overall size of the market is much bigger in west but opportunity lies in asia i hope that this opportunity gets translated in africa because they are the ones who probably need the most of attention on digital infrastructure or geospatial knowledge infrastructure we live in digital world and digital age we call it as fourth industrial revolution or fourth industrial age which is further creating divides you call it digital divide i would call it as knowledge divide but that divide is growing growing and growing if the foundations or founding pillars of economy which is digital right now we are having more divide then you are going to see that those countries would continue to be going further behind as compared to others and the i i i really believe hope that someday someone would actually look at investing in providing digital infrastructure i call upon all the development agencies don't give money set up digital infrastructure set up geospatial knowledge infrastructure in developing economies rest would follow on its own again super comprehensive and all the very interesting insights around all of this you did mention this geospatial market and geospatial economy the differences is also very interesting and the sizing as well what can make the pie bigger in india when it comes to geospatial market and geospatial economy from your perspective well i think uh, the government of india has already made what it could have done in the form of policy reforms i must acknowledge that geospatial guidelines and its contours have been much beyond our expectations 
I have been fighting it for 24 years. And but for Mr. Narendra Modi, nobody could have got it done. Vajpayee ji tried in 2003. There was a meeting between George Fernandez and all the high-level secretaries in 2003, and we made a presentation. We were part of that discussion. Then in 2011, group of ministers tried it. Nothing happened. But under Mr. Modi, geospatial policy guidelines came up, which is not only an enabling instrument for the country, but trust me, several developing countries are looking at it as a role model, and that's where I want to compliment the government. So public policies, great. I know that there are more public policies supposed to come. They will take time, but I'm not really worried about it because geospatial guidelines clearly says that they are implementable. Now, what we need is a couple of things. First of all, this is an opportunity for the industry. Don't wait anymore. Invest in five, ten years plan. I would call upon all the business people who want to make more impactful business and successful business. Look at this as an opportunity of through the window of five to ten years. You will definitely be the winner. But if you want to win, you have to move up the value chain. Get into technology investments get into solution development and be very very open to import the best and develop your capacities to make the best out of the opportunity what i would like to uh, suggest and request the government to augment this we don't need much of help from the government but what we need is a hand holding an industry which has been under the clutches of restrictions for decades and decades and which can serve as the foundation for national development priorities needs a bit of extra care and handholding so develop a industrial development strategy all these things don't need money they need emotional and i would say political support that yes we are here to talk to you you we can help you you know strategize <laughs> so let's take an example like highways urban railways water and rural development just four five ministries which are the biggest consumers and they are actually lagging behind because they don't have ready made geospatial infrastructure their projects get delayed their source of decision making the knowledge for decision making is not up to the mark if they come together and make a collective investment in building next generation geospatial infrastructure and outsource that 
to the companies with their own set of you know priorities you'll see that that money which they are already spending separately if they can come up together that it will be probably more than a billion dollar in hand and that money can actually be uh, you know can give an opportunity for the companies uh, to build their capacities while delivering fast accurate and actionable intelligence to these ministries so what we need is holisticity what we need is a uh, strategic engagement between the government industry and also academia because the kind of capacity we need when we start rocking we don't have that capacity so we have to consistently build that capacity as well so we again i would say holisticity in terms of strategy so one of the things that uh, is again pre- pretty interesting to explore uh, based on your experience is uh, this pie of who is participating in our pie in india and how has it changed over time when you look at companies like scient which was previously like infotech enterprises and you know few of the other like early inroads of people who made into this geospatial industry uh they were primarily i guess looking at outsourcing as a business uh, maybe cartographic outsourcing and you know whatever geographical correction of uh, uh satellite data uh, you know ortho rectification and whatever uh, those kinds of uh, basic changes that one could do that needed like hard labor uh, that and then you know you would add value on top of it and then you know distribute it to a person who would then build value on top of it and then you know service clients right so in your experience through this time have you seen maturity within india beyond this outsourcing as a model well narayan this is what actually i really like and love this question i would love to respond to this is that first of all uh, with all due regards uh, scient is a great company they built a uh, very big business and dr reddy is known to be pioneer in this field uh, so as mr singh of rolta but i think that if you want to be in a long term business moving in, moving up the value chain is the only option because of consistently innovation in the field of automation the business of geospatial processing would be there but it would not stay as it is now due to the deployment of automation you need more qualified people and this is a, ch- a challenge for the country as a whole that you need to invest into more skilled people tomorrow so i think that this is a great opportunity for a companies like scient uh, to be the market leader and use india as a laboratory to move up the value chain but at the same time i must tell you this that the companies with the size of 100 150 crores 50 crores in india they are the ones who are making much more out of this opportunity i've been talking to several uh, ceos regularly and i see them actually making more investments trying to you know even sell off their properties and make investments in 
geospatial business more and more now because they are they are the ones who will actually make impact they are the ones who are connected with the customers at the city level or at uh, you know the ground level and i'm very excited to see that those are the companies who are going to make an impact in geospatial business and let's not forget the success of map my india ipo map my india which is a company with about probably 150 to 200 crores revenue made an ipo of probably more than 1500 crores generated and its market cap is around 10000 crores just imagine the trust of the market on geospatial that trust can be translated by the entrepreneurs to move up the value chain and invest in technology you have to be careful that map my india revenues or map my india is evaluation is primarily because it's not a services company it's a technology company it's a product company and i would like to see that more and more people invest into that kind of direction otherwise you'll you know when we say that indigenization of technology indigenization of space that's not going to happen overnight let's understand that we have been in the business of providing services we have not been into the business of developing technologies so if you want to develop technologies that's where the government needs to come up strategically and co-invest into certain initiatives which can help us develop ourselves as a technology nation in coming times then only we can think of growing uh, to the extent we want to grow absolutely and i think that's uh, the key to seeing many more scalable businesses that can grow to a large extent with the least amount of uh, resources to to that end you know you talked about like two or three companies we talked about is scient or uh, rolta or you know uh, map my india in the time that you have now seen who do you believe are some rock stars of this geospatial industry that have come through from india that you know have done some significant contribution to the development of the industry in india or have scope to take it to the next level so narayan let me tell you that rock stars of tomorrow is actually they are not on they are not on the visible map of today and that's the beauty i think that the rock stars of tomorrow are not at all on the visible, visible map of today and i'm very proud of some of the initiatives which are taking place across technology be it uh, in the field of space like uh, you know agni cool or dhruva or these are the ones who are investing in technology be it in this space of uh, location like next billion there's a company known as billion next developing a platform there is uh you know solution service companies like you know neo geo uh trying to build into uh, uh, you know applications so there are a lot of those people who the market doesn't know will be the rock stars of tomorrow and i would like to be that way and it's going to be that way only and the world belongs to those entrepreneurs we know uh, how to aggregate data and how to make actionable intelligence out of it so you'll see that consumer world of 
India or commercial world of India will emerge as the biggest user of this technology. Because we Indians are very good at making our business processes efficient. And we, you and me have a responsibility to educate and advocate the value of geospatial technology as a tool of productivity, as a tool of efficiency. And I would say that that would be a great service. And you'll see several rock stars coming out of this space and from places which, you know, it's not Bangalore or Delhi only. You'll see rock stars coming from anywhere. And India is opening up and uh, it's a new reform. There's a trust uh, in the government in terms of ease of doing business. I'm not getting into the political, uh, you know, narratives. But as far as the ease of doing business, there is definitely a trust in the youngsters. Absolutely. In fact, you know, the most recent phenomena that I'm seeing or I hope to see more and more is I would like to see like the potential that we've developed in the software industry in India, especially with companies like TCS, Infosys or Wipro or others. They have built a like a bedrock of software people who understand how software world works for the last 30 years. And I'm seeing slowly some people who realize how enterprise software works, enterprise intra infrastructure works in software, leave that domain and come into the geospatial segment and say, you know what, I'm going to connect my knowledge in that world, be it in cloud or, you know, enterprise software and so on, and leverage the tools of uh, geospatial and the potential of satellite uh, data and maps and, you know, all of these things and connect both of them to create value for enterprise or consumers, right? And there's been a few examples of recent companies that I've seen coming out of India. The most recent company I met is a company called Tatya that is based in yeah. Mumbai. And they're doing something like this with uh, mineral mapping uh, exercise and, and so on, right? So I believe that we are at a moment where we would want to see these people quit these uh, mainstream you know, software services uh, companies to explore this you know, like kind of a intersection between the two worlds to create real value because I think that's where we are playing to our strengths. No, I think you, you brought the name of Tatya very appropriately because those guys from financial sector come into geospatial sector and making use of their financial domain knowledge to build applications on geospatial platforms for financial sector. That's the classic example. And you'll see a lot of that happening. But let, let me just go beyond this, you know, Narayan, and I'm very passionate about it, is the fact about sustainability. And sustainability is a word which is over-projected or under, under, uh, misunderstood most of the time. Over-projected in a sense that people believe that sustainability means only environmental or, you know, something to do with the you know community level actually not sustainability is something known as sustainability of everything and sustainability means productivity efficiency that you use less resources for more output so it's a productivity and efficiency tool and what is sustainable is 
where your output is more and your input is less and this is very critical especially for primary pillars of our industry which is like energy infrastructure agriculture and if you can make them more productive and efficient by using geospatial technology we are contributing to sustainability of everything and this is where i get very excited when people from these domains want to come and understand the power of geospatial and build workflows which can help deployment of their businesses more efficiently and i think we have to look at holisticity always i'll give you an example when we build a bridge or infrastructure if we use geospatial and beam technologies together then we can actually build that infrastructure in a sense that whatever has been designed keeping in mind the prevailing geological structures likely urban habitat or habitat and likely demand on that infrastructure in next 25 to 30 years as against likely disasters be it flood or earthquake or anything like that so if you have all this information and model a design of the infrastructure in a manner which can actually resist such eventualities then you are designing something you are building something using the geospatial technologies you can exactly build what you designed and then you'll see almost 10% of the cost you'll save because most of the construction workflows have a project overrun and class detection but with geobeam technologies you can actually just make it seamless because you are monitoring all the time so if you are investing a thousand crore in such a infrastructure and you can deliver this in 900 crores because of efficient use of technology and the age of this infrastructure instead of 15 years is 25 years is more sustainable because in case of any disaster what you lose is the living and if the infrastructure is able to resist that disaster then you are more sustainable and we as a nation which is developing nation which has less resources needs to be more you know passionate about making use of the best technology we cannot fight or we cannot actually live in fourth industrial age with third industrial technology yeah i think that is uh, really a good reflection out of this one of the things that again you know comes to my mind when i look at uh, a lot of these uh, developments is you know, what can you do to like adopt catalyze the adoption of geospatial when it comes to the society in india i've been thinking about this for quite some time as such so when you look at um, this framework of you know what does 
it make it win win for a government at the end and one of the things i guess today that every government is worried about is you know taxpayer money as in how do you actually accumulate more taxpayer uh, money so that it's a win for the government and it's win for an enterprise who supports gathering more taxpayer money i mean that's what a lot of the technology adoption is for right so for example if you look at i don't know like fast tag for example right so you know in the process of uh, adopting technology the government is earning more revenue because there's more people adopting certain technology to make it more efficient to collect you know whatever tolls or so on but and in the process you know the government is also earning some revenue and when you think about it you know that has massive potential for geospatial uh, when you think like bottom up because of the federal and the state you know structure of the country right so obviously like 70 or 80% of the administration that the country has is, is at the state government level not at the federal level and so you need to kind of evangelize state governments to adopt also some of these technologies to say uh, you know that this can go and create some impact for governance so one of the classic examples is i think like 2 or 3 years ago like bbmp which is the bangalore a uh, metropolitan uh, corporation that looks at uh, you know governance locally in bangalore where i'm from they signed like an mou with isro saying we will use uh, geospatial technology to monitor construction and you know like look at automating uh, you know mo- construction monitoring using building heights and new areas being constructed and probably look at you know connecting that with the taxation system of monitoring building taxes and so on right so you have there a potential for even an industry player to come get involved to make the system more efficient because at the end of the day you know it's a win win for both the industry and the government at the end because obviously the government is not is acting as a customer but it's actually spending 1 rupee to earn like 2 rupees at that point of time and it's also creating certain demand for the industry and unfortunately i don't see a lot of this kind of uh, thinking where actually you know it's like a win win in terms of for all the players narayan actually this is something which is very close to my heart but i would not like to dwell too much because then it will take another hour or two but fundamentally what is the role of the government the role of the government is three provide you sovereignty and security provide you governance and provide you services citizen services and what you talked about the bottom of pyramid in terms of applications and opportunities is something great and we better leave it to those institutions on the ground to decide who they want to work with and what kind of applications they want to use i think if we leave that as a open market and let the companies on the ground and the governments on the ground decide that how they want to use it what kind of applications is possible is the best way i have a problem that if the government enters into a mou with another government organization that's nothing but a matter of convenience the true value lies in innovation and applicability and innovation and applicability can be done or can be achieved more by market forces because then it will be efficient it will be market driven it will be need driven where the companies or anybody else 
would create a demand would invest into demonstrating the pilot not like just hey the government says this is nice can i go to isro or surf india and they can do it for us they will take 3 years to just develop a prototype and the matter will end with a prototype it will never go to the level of scalability classic example well i'm sure you know that in 2014 when mr modi came as the prime minister he hosted a conference in delhi in 2014 and he ended the concluding statement was let there be no space between space and people and then 167 projects were created by isro can you go and make an assessment of what has been the outcome of that if the same momentum was let it open and an opportunity was given to the industry you would have seen 167 projects would have been converted into probably 1070 or 10 times more and nothing wrong uh, uh, you know uh, in what happened what i'm trying to say is that if you want to be making you know making use of the technology let the user and the provider decide it what i would suggest the government as a federal government and i i'm saying so keeping in mind the fact that 70 to 80% of the project implementation lies with the state government but the federal government can create ad- policy advisories which means for example in highways there is a policy which says that if a contractor is building a road he will get paid only if he provides lidar map of the finished product now that brings the transparency because lidar based map can give you a millimeter accuracy in terms of design being implemented on the ground so that's a very efficient end and once the contractor makes a mistake next time he knows what he has to deliver so the federal government same way can come up with a very feasible policy guidelines while funding programs through state governments that this is if you are doing this this is the appropriate use of technology and they need to be evolving every year they need to be reviewed every year this is what the government of india can do so again this is a part of governance the government has to focus on governance rather than doing itself and i think the space reforms or other geospatial policy reforms which are taking place would lead in those directions but at the same time i would like to again focus on that government cannot uh just be too commercial when i said the purpose of the governance is sovereignty and security and if you want a level playing field then you have to provide foundational infrastructure as part of your services so the government still has to invest in road building so as in constellation or in so as in gnss or so as in foundational map of the country you can't just and if you don't do this then you can't expect the government you know industry to grow you know cars will run only on when there is a road so car manufacturing can be a private affair 
but road development cannot be so as in the geospatial industry solutions and services can be consumerized or commercialized but then foundational map updated accurate authentic foundational data has to be provided by the government right so we've spent almost like 70 minutes talking about all the things so thank you so much for taking the time maybe one last final question before we you know before I let you go um you spent significant amount of your career in this industry and i'm guessing that you'll be now celebrating your 25th anniversary soon so where do you see yourself as well as uh, you know geospatial world uh, in the next let's say 5 to 10 years uh, you know with all the things that are happening today so narayan you know uh, we will be completing uh, 25 years on 10th of april 2022 i must say that i'm still as excited as i was 25 years ago and this is not just a word i feel that excitement but yes now i feel more responsibility as well and responsibility is coming to my shoulders or the shoulders of my team and my partners not because that uh is is like something which is heavy it's just that we as a industry can do so much for society and this is the opportunity for geospatial industry to actually realize themselves and uh power them their knowledge towards sustainability at the age of 25 we have already had lot of discussions internally for last one or two years so we have refined our vision and our vision is now advancing knowledge for sustainability and i have already defined sustainability means sustainability of everything we have a responsibility to make use of this technology to help facilitate make use of this technology for efficient and productivity uh, productive tomorrow more sustainable tomorrow i think geospatial world is going to do couple of things one is that we are believing in co-ownership of our mission so we are expanding our partner network we have partnered with united nations statistics division and we are developing geospatial knowledge infrastructure concept together with united nations and about 20 government organizations and industry together so that will serve as the direction for next generation geospatial knowledge infrastructure secondly we have a mission to develop very constructive engagement with pillars of economy be it energy infrastructure supply chain security so we are investing into building those industry domain teams and when i say teams i also meant uh, with our partners so you know we are developing that together thirdly which i would see 
geospatial world moving up is to be a think tank which can undertake again policy advocacy but move up the value chain to be connected with political and administrative leadership more and more so to, to reach them we have to show the power of geospatial industry and when i use the word power it doesn't mean the uh, uh, you know absolute power i mean to say the enabling capability of geospatial industry and showcase its relevance contribution impact in digital age and for that we need to develop more and more body of knowledge and that knowledge which is uh, driven by our interactive engagement with the stakeholders so i think what we are going to do is uh, put our energies towards being knowledge organization and that knowledge we serve for going back to our original mission evangelism and advocacy and i think evangelism and advocacy is a consistent effort its dimension and direction may change but the foundation will still be the same so that's where we are sanjay i think it's a fascinating conversation thank you again for taking so much time uh, you've been very kind in giving me all the insights that you have and uh, it's always a fascinating story everybody i talk to from india who has especially come from this kind of a solid background of having built a brand i think have a story behind them and i'm always i'm fascinated to hear that particular story so thank you again uh, i hope you know we can keep in touch and we go back to maybe a 10 years from now and revisit this conversation under a new light oh thank you very much narayan and uh, i wish you all the best and don't hesitate to reach out to me whenever you get an opportunity thank you very much thank you for listening in to this episode of the new space india podcast if you enjoyed this conversation please share this episode with anyone you believe will enjoy listening to it you'll be able to find the new space india podcast in any of the podcasting platforms that you may be using including apple google spotify youtube and others do subscribe to the podcast in case you want to receive new episodes automatically i'm grateful if you're able to leave a rating for the podcast which will help others discover it thank you for listening in again and the next episode will be out in the next two weeks as usual